You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Reshaping classics, theater in the rough, and tough weather but tougher Texans. These three topics and more are discussed on this episode. I'm your host, Sean Chandler, and you're listening to Your Program is Your Ticket, a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. My guest today is Kelly Hilliard-Rausch, Executive and Artistic Director of the Classic Theater of San Antonio. Now, Kelly is part of a continuation of a series called Act Two Places, which gives theater folks an opportunity to discuss the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on them and their organizations and their plans for reemergence. The Classic Theater creates excellent theater that is relevant, diverse, entertaining, and transformative. Classic plays with contemporary connections. They envision San Antonio as a vibrant city with a rich diversity of arts and culture, which connects communities. Now, do keep in mind that our interviews are recorded at different times to optimize schedules, just in case the audio sounds a little different. I'm super excited, so let's bring her on. Hi, Kelly, and welcome to your program as your ticket. Hi, Sean. So glad to be here. I'm I'm so thrilled that we, we're getting the chance to speak. Um just so everyone that's listening knows, um, Kelly lives in San Antonio, Texas. And we were supposed to do our show last week, but Texas got hit with all of that crappy weather and then and, and energy going out, and, and it must have been a nightmare. It truly was like being in the Hunger Games is all I know how to explain it with. It was surprising how much it shuts down the city. It's so different than up north and what people are able to do with infrastructure. So mm-hmm. we, we had no power for days. Um, so no computers, no phones, no people would get in their cars to charge their phones um, yeah. and hope you had enough gas and um in your car to let it run for a little bit. So it was crazy. And um, I'm glad we were able to reschedule because that was a lost week. So many things have just gone into the ether. Right. I mean, sometimes I think when, you know, a lot of the technology shuts down, it's like, ah, there's a little bit of a relief, but not when it is freezing cold outside. And you're in the middle of a production that you're trying to do during COVID-19. Truly, that is so true. We were starting rehearsals for Antigone was the plan. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting around the fire in my house with no power and watching my breath um, have fog with it because it's so cold and you just feel stuck for a week. You just feel in limbo land. Right. Um, But again, we were uh, so many people were hit so hard in so many different ways. And um, we at least uh, here in my house, my family have been able to start getting back to normal. And there's still oh, a lot of people who are working that way. But yeah, it was good, good. a little odd on top of COVID-19 the last right. year. Yeah. When it rains, it snows, right? <laughs> yes. Sorry. We do it all big in Texas. If we're going to do it, do it big. <laughs> that's, that's not my best uh, wordplay piece there, but I don't know. I felt it was appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, I've got Kelly here, and we're hopefully going to have another guest come on. His name is Hunter Wolf, and he's part of the Classic Theater of San Antonio. So he's actually at a commercial shoot right now. And so we might bring him in if he becomes available throughout. But, you know, you got to pay the bills. You do. 
you got to water the money tree. That's what I always say. So Hunter, I, if you don't join us, then I certainly hope that the shoot's going well. So, but let's get back to you, Kelly. Uh, Why don't we start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and telling us your function within the classic theater of San Antonio, please. I am Kelly Hilliard Rausch. I am the executive and the artistic director of the Classic Theater of San Antonio. And I'm a professional actress and director. Oh, very cool. Um, What did you do before you were at the Classic Theater of San Antonio? Tell us a little bit about your history and your your journey as as an artist. Uh, Sure, I'd love to. Um, I got my Master of Fine Arts from Louisiana State University in professional actor training years ago, a few years ago, um, and then moved to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and worked there uh, as an actress, and also did um, some administration work with Fox Sports News, some Mm -hmm. operations things, Um, and then I went to Chicago and spent 10 years in Chicago uh, acting and teaching and, and in the surroundings areas, um, teaching at a couple universities there. Um, and then we moved and directing. So that's when I started directing more when I was in Chicago and then moved to Texas uh, with my family and an opportunity that arose and came here and started freelancing and then um, took the job of uh, art executive director that was the first opening that then has grown we've taken the organization um in my tenure from stage one to stage two so it had been founder driven and i was the first staff member that was hired outside of the founders to continue the journey of the company wow cool that's great yeah yeah it's been a full year full chunk of years going on (laughs) right that's they must have uh, a tremendous amount of faith in your talent and your abilities to tr- trust you with that kind of sort of takeover uh, part, the takeover role. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, where did you teach in Chicago? I taught at Aurora University mm-hmm. and College of DuPage. Okay. I do a lot of work in Chicago uh, mm. as a, pl- I'm a playwright and uh, my, I, I do, I did a play there that won a, an award, and then yes. I, I did a. Um, I met my musical collaborator partner out there as well. His name is Leo Schwartz, and we write musicals together. So I'm in Chicago a lot. Chicago is a tremendous uh, place for to incubate theater. It really is. Absolutely, yes. I mean, it was hard to leave. Um, certainly, I, I was loving what I was doing. Um, I have an awesome husband who also is passionate about what he does. Uh, and my family was from Texas. So we found an opportunity to come spend some time through his work originally um, here to San Antonio. And one of the things that from Minneapolis and Chicago, Minneapolis also has the Playwright Center where August Wilson worked so much and mm-hmm. other playwrights and fosters that. And so we've been trying to um, keep keep that and grow that here in San Antonio at the classic as well, because it's such a vital part of great theater cities is that work with playwrights and developing things. Well, we thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your words. My pleasure. Um, what is the mission, the formal mission of the classic theater of San Antonio? The formal mission 
is we create excellent theater that is relevant, diverse, entertaining, and transformative. Outstanding. That's very, 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 um, um, it's very modern. I was thinking what you're doing is making sure by having a mission that you're keeping uh, classic theater fresh. Is, is that, was that, am I right in that? Absolutely. Because I, I, I certainly, um, and was clear when I was coming in that what excites me, I, I love amazing classic plays. Classic's a complicated word in theater because it's not like architecture. So everyone I've learned has a very different name for what they really think classic theater is. So is it just Shakespeare? Is it just white men before 1900s? Where does all of this fit? Um, and so for me, when I came in too, I really wanted to make sure that as we moved forward, what's so great about classic plays and these beautifully written plays that continue to stand the test of time is how I look at that, um, is that they're still relevant beyond a five-year window, which is often kind of a core time. Um, so, uh, and it does look like Hunter will be joining us hopefully in a few minutes. Cool. Um, so just a, a little heads up, but so, so yes, we really wanted to have a very clear mission statement. I, I always say classics aren't like eating broccoli, put some sriracha on it. I don't want people to think they're just eating steamed vegetables, which are lovely, but a little bland. Like if it's not contemporary, if it doesn't feel to us relevant and hard hitting or delightfully entertaining, then I'm not interested. I'm not interested in an academic version of theater or doing homage. Uh, I want us to know why now, what shows we're doing um, and, and what it says to our community that we live in and that we can have a conversation about. Why is that exciting? Why would a 15 year old go, wait a minute, you mean that's Ibsen? Okay, like that's like my mom and my dad. Yes, yes. Okay, then we're doing it right. <laughs> and our, our mission has been very helpful in going, is it relevant? Is it diverse? Is it entertaining? Is it transformative? And is it excellent? Because we want to lay it all out on the table like NBA finals, giving it all of our best. Oh, very nice. Um, what is the most, if you will, this is this is going to be in crude terms, but what is the most modern classic play that you can think of or that you're aware of? Like, I just kind of want to see sort of where your cutoff is. Sure. Well, um, I don't believe in cutoffs. I don't believe in um, boxes very much. So I can tell you what the what we did. We have five main stage shows during a normal year that we do. We also have a second series. We do three or four second series, which are smaller, often more contemporary things. Um, but with our main stage last year, the last show we were able to do right before everything shut down was Anna in the Tropics by Nilo Cruz. Um, and actually, the show before that was Miss Bennett, Christmas at Pemberley by Lauren Gunderson and Margot Melcon. Mm -hmm. Margot, I hope I'm saying your last name right. Sorry. Um, so with those two, they both, so Nilo's play is not very old. So important for us to do, um, it, but it's one of Pulitzer. So there's very clearly something I can say, this is a classic to our audience and our patrons. And it feels incredibly important because the diversity of having a cast of all Latino actors doing a play about 
a Latino culture, when we live in San Antonio and 60% of our population is Latino, is important. So this is both classic, it is something in that sense. So that's the most, um, that's one of the most modern, truly the most modern is Miss Bennett, because it just came out a few years ago. And it's wrapped around the Pride and Prejudice characters. So that's riffing off of Pride and Prejudice. We don't have a big enough stage to have 20 people on stage doing the play version of Pride and Prejudice that I went and saw on my honeymoon with my husband at Stratford um, in Canada, which I'd love to do at some point. And finding this nugget written by women. So it's important to me that we're having all of the voices heard. And there's so many women playwrights we don't even completely know about from the past, from classic work. So these women who are writing contemporary plays, having a woman's voice be heard in it, voices. Um, and so it really goes all the way up to the present, as long as it's dealing with, as long as it hits our four adjectives. Um, and with that, it really can be a, a riff on characters that people know from Jane Austen or other, very much what we've got going on in TV right now. Um, with so many of the fun versions of classic novels being made into plays um, and TV shows and things. So that and just work that is um, stunningly, that may be more contemporary, but it is dealing with really those large issues and has been acknowledged in some way as a, uh, as a formidable piece of work. So when the Pulitzer, when it wins a Pulitzer Prize, that certainly goes on our list of, okay, where can this fit for us and at what point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for a long time, although obviously things have, have slowed down a bit, um, I feel like there were a lot of modernized versions of, but particularly Chekhov. Um, my husband was in a play called Stupid Fucking Bird. Oh, yes. Which, I, yes, I know it. Yes. Which um, was, it's, it's a modernized version of The Seagull. And um, I, I was wondering, how do you think of that? Because that sort of does combine both worlds. And I mean, I don't, I know that you're not going to put any margins on anything, but what are your feelings about that, um, that wave? Which is a great question. Um, and a couple, a couple different beginning answers to start. So a few years ago, I had really hoped season 13, which is the season we're in now, which has become season of theater in the rough. So it's gone completely into COVID-19 blow up. Um, I'm sorry, theater in the rough? Theater in the rough. That's great. I'm stealing yes. that. Oh, please. Um, we are, uh, we've moved outdoors. I'll talk about this a little bit when we get to what we've had to do. But, bef but a few years ago, I was hoping it would be kind of theater flipped on its ear that it would be our season 13, kind of that superstitious thing. And so after we did, we did Seagull um, in our eighth season. So we're in season 13 in our eighth season, we did the Seagull. So was hoping to do stupid fucking bird in season 13, actually. So, um, oh, and I'm trying to remember the phrase we use, like, um, but taking taking classics and flipping them on their head this season, kind of classics with a twist. That was what was ruminating for years. And do, we were going to do this year A Doll's House Part 2 also. I love and, that play. Right? I mean, like, oh, I love Laurie Metcalf. I, lo I like want to be Laurie Metcalf and in that play. Um, 
uh, and again, amazing playwriting. So, and we did for our 10th anniversary season, one of the plays that I directed, that was Doll's House. And we said it Mad Men 1950s era. Cool. So people couldn't say, oh, it's 1800s. We're not like that anymore. I wanted people to be able to go, oh, shoot, that is like my mom or my grandma or my dad or, you know, just ways that where they surprise themselves as how relevant things still are. Um, so I, I am all for those. Uh, I really wanted to be able to package it in a way that our audience that could somehow riff off of the classic they'd seen before, mm-hmm. like Seagull or Doll's House, and then continue the story or go deeper um, with our audience. So kind of help open the door of how to go forward and then down and in and over. So, so I'm open and excited. This just did not end up being the season to flip classics on their head because it's hard enough to actually do what we do normally Uh, just doing a a classic and making it relevant we've gone back actually to how Shakespeare and Greeks did their work originally which is outdoors so that was our pivot it's like oh we can't perform indoors we have a 99 seat black box with one entrance so none of the COVID protocols worked for being in that space and so we knew and we knew it may be 18 month haul to two years. So as we reimagined and tried to focus on our core values, theater in the rough grew in the let's keep props minimal. Let's pick shows that work well outdoors and really are meant for that uh, and work really well in that larger space. And so Doll's House 2, I can see it so beautifully indoors. I'm sure it can be done outdoors, but Macbeth, which was our fall show, and Antigone, which we're working on now, lend themselves to these large public forums in such a lovely way that that's how the season now has pivoted. Oh, wow. I think really good writing can hold up anywhere. I mean, if, if the writing is good enough to where you're, you're creating the environment and the set and the world in your head, if it's not there for you to see, yes, then that's, that's aces right there. I do agree. I do completely agree. I was just like, how do we not, we're recreating the wheel from start one. So let's, you know, where do we start? Uh, And I'm eager to see in the next couple of years, because we're still planning to do work outdoors, how we can continue to modify that to work for shows that have more of an indoor feel or kind of smaller British humor manners going on and things like that. So (laughs) yes, I do believe if you can dream it and see it, you can make it happen. Yeah, and uh, Lucas Nath, who is the playwright. Yeah, am I am I saying his name correctly? I I there's a, every once in a while I hit on a name where I'm like, is that right? Is that not? It sounds good to me. I think that's one of the ones I okay. play around with too, which is it with the different ways it could be said. And I, I haven't met Lucas in person, so I couldn't tell you for sure. Yeah, he's uh, probably my favorite modern playwright. I mean, that's that's you know young and up and coming. I just I just think that he's his work is fabulous. I saw a show called uh, The Christians. Yes. That he did out here in addition to Doll's House. And he's just, he's just marvelous. I mean, I, I, I bow to him big time, big time. Well, truly, even in reading when I read Doll's House too, and then I called Nora and Torvald, who had been in our original one in season 10, because I'm like, oh my God, y'all, this is everything we talked about in rehearsals about culturally these two people have been stuck in a game that they're Mm -hmm. playing and one just realizes that it really isn't 
um, just about women. It's a humanist play. It's about mm -hmm. people and relationships and knowing yourselves against. The, and I just thought he wrote. So those conversations that they were having was so much of things we had explored in rehearsal. And I'm like, wow, you've now put them in a script and they sing. It's naming all this complicated nature that was true 200 years ago and is true today. Right. So, yes, I find his work stunning. Um, it, it, it's also the, the dialogue and the, the scenes themselves have a real nice elasticity to them. Uh, I saw Laurie uh, um, Metcalf yes. the first time. And then the second time I saw Julie White. I love Julie White. And she uh, she played Nora. Uh, she took over for Nora after Laurie Metcalf left. And um, it's it's the writing that accounts for different actors and different actors mm. can, can stretch it in different ways and it still works. And I think that that's, I think that he's um, kind of a genius in that way. And, and I don't mind if he knows it. He knows that I think that about. Well, and that's a beautiful way. I love the, you talking about it with the, the elastic nature of it. Cause it really is, with these great plays, it's like Hamlet. How many different Hamlets have we seen? Mm -hmm. um, because the bones are there and it lets each actor find their Hamlet. And that makes sense to me too, that there would, could be like um, that. It's a great script for a variety of different interpretations of Nora or, or people and what they bring with their, um, their instrument and their talent. Um, I, I, I want to bring that up because of the fact that you were going to do prop, what I know is to be the most produced American play or piece of theater aside from A Christmas Carol and uh, Shakespeare. And that's uh, Our Town. You were going to do that and then it got postponed. And I think Our Town is one of those plays as well that has that elasticity. I've seen traditional productions of it. I saw the wonderful David Cromer version here about 10, I want to say 10, 13 years ago, which wow. was, it was phenomenal. And then recently, um, I believe it's on Amazon Prime, I located a, um, a, a documentary about a school that did it in South Central LA. And uh, South Central LA is, it's a very, very tough gang riddled neighborhood. And this, these drama teachers came in and actually put this production of our town together and worked for them beautifully. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, I will say this, it's not one of my favorite plays, but when it's done right, it's thrilling. It really is. Oh, so many things to say too. Do you know there's a new book um, out right now? And I'm like, where I'll have to look at the gentleman's name. Cause I want to say it's Howard Stearns and I'm, I'm, I've got the wrong, I've got, I'm putting two different names together, but there's a book that's just come out about our town and how it, is an argument that it really is the American classic like Shakespeare is, like it, it, that is long-term. It's a beautiful book, um, and I can send that to you um, when we're offline, uh, the name of it. So, and one of the exciting things, so last season, we really chose five different versions of families, that the ties that bind, what draws us together, what pulls us apart, was our theme for season 12. So we had Romeo and Juliet, we had Miss Bennett, we had um, Anna in the tropics. So we're dealing so with, with culture and family. We were going to do Brighton Beach and Our Town. 
And when we, with our town, one of, it's a one, it's not what hasn't been one of my favorites. I've never read it to the end. Mm. My husband, who was also a theater professional in his first life, um, said, I love it. I love it. Read it. And I just fought against it. And finally I read it and went, oh, oh, okay. And that thing of like, oh, when it's done well, when you put aside anything you've seen or heard people say how much they love it or, and I had to get past the, oh, it seems so nice. I'm like, oh, I need a little edge with my stuff usually. Right. Um, and, and there is, there, there's, I mean, I, I really have become, I have come to love it much more and appreciate it. And after hearing our cast read it, seeing them work on it, um, when going into it, one of the important things for me as we chose it was that it also needed to reflect our town, that we weren't all going to be sounding like Mainers. Um, and I, I love me some Northeasterners uh, and things, but it's like, we are in San Antonio, where again, 60% of the population is Latinos. Mm-hmm. 2% is Black. And then the other 36 ish percent is uh, well the other there's 30 percent white and there's some other and and I don't want it to be how is it going to be relevant how do we make sure that we and and so we got room from the um, our town folks uh, the estate the Thornton Wilder estate to um, potentially do a man and or a woman as the stage manager for some some flexibility in our casting to make sure that we had, that we reflected our community and, and the amazingness of our community. So people would go and see and hear the belt of our voices here, which has been really exciting um, to have this broad, varied cast from a 15-year-old schoolgirl, um, Bella, who we love into it, to a 75-year-old um, grandma, Charlene, African-American woman, um, who was playing the professor, Professor Willard. Uh, so, so it has broken our hearts. Like, I think this for me has been one of the hardest things with COVID is we were in our 10 out of 12 tech day, Sunday, March 15th. We had been there since 10 in the morning and I'm watching everything, watching the news, doing things. I wasn't directing. Um, I was running the show, the assistant directing piece of watching the news because things were hyping up and hyping up and had to go in at five o'clock that night and say, we are stopping right now. And the next day is when San Antonio shut down. But as I'm watching everything in the news, I'm like, we can't do this. I cannot put y'all in danger. And we don't know what's going on. And so to postpone it, and it's so, it's the first time truly, everybody was like, we're actors, the show must go on. And I'm like, you know, one would think, I have always thought it's not going on now. We're not, and we postponed it. For two weeks and tickets had been sold. People love, I mean, people were excited because they know the show so well. And our cast, just an incredibly talented, diverse cast. We were going to go up in May. We'll go up in eight weeks when quarantine's over. And it took us about six months off. When are we going to do it? We scheduled it for August because May wasn't going to work. So we scheduled it for August. Numbers went up in July. So we canceled it. And we scheduled it for February and numbers went up for two weeks going on in January. So February, we had to cancel it. So it is rescheduled for May of this year outdoors. Um, 
and hopefully by that time, Antigone's going to come first now um, in April, and that will be in May. Um, but I am really committed to us doing that show. I, I mean, not only have we rehearsed it, costumed it, although the costume designer's like, I've gained weight. I better check on everybody, and I might need to alter some costumes being in quarantine. I mean, it's funny how going from indoors to outdoors, we have to pivot because we can't do it in thrust where we're at. We need to do proscenium sure. so we can get socially distant seated pods, keep everyone safe, get it lit. Um, so we are, we thought we basically had it ready to go and we did for one space and now we're having to massage that. But, um, but hopefully it will go up in May. I'm still committed and the cast has been really um, sweet and flexible and brokenhearted at days where they've been so eager. People are like people, the cast has said, we need to share this with our community. I'm like, yes but we have to be safe and we have to be alive. So yeah. that's the deal. Um, and, and they, they understand and watching them pivot. And, and we have had to make some adjustments with people who are, have said, do you know, I'm in a population where I'm not comfortable continuing forward right now. Sure. I need to take a step back. If we get a vaccine, then maybe I can come back on. And um, so, so that's been the biggest, whereas Macbeth, Every step of the way kind of magically happened. The numbers cleared by the time they needed to for us to get out. We were through a whole weekend of a sold out run outdoors. And everybody's like, did we just do that? Did we just like actually make it through a show with masks, socially distanced? People came and, and, and people did. And then again, and that started after our town and ended um, with our town still out in the wind. I don't know if that was your question for me. Um, about our town, but that's part of our journey with our town at this point. No, it was an excellent answer. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it must be so difficult to have to just stop right in the middle of something that not only you love, but everybody else that's doing it loves, and to just have to say no more. I mean, it's it's. I've had people on the show who've described that exact same situation, and and have almost broke down in tears because of it. Um, it's, uh, I have friends who live out here in New York who basically, I want to say probably set the standard for what everybody else followed. Um, but it was the same thing. It was, um, you know, this is a, a billion dollar industry out here, uh, Broadway. And um, we were like, oh, no, 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 two weeks tops. Then one month tops, no, six months, you know, and it just kept extending and, 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 and people, people are going through hell. Um, they're, they're, they're not making the money they used to make. Um, insurance is, is being threatened a little bit only because of the fact you have to make your payments or your whatever guilds you're in. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if they're, they're, um, extending any, um, leniency or relief. I would think that they are. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it really, really sucked. And it still sucks. And it's sucking less and less every day, but still. So yeah, no, your your answer was terrific. And I really, really do uh look forward to when you can do our town. Um I I, I know I wanted to say earlier that our town was actually had a female narrator, and it was in the David Cromer version. Uh David Helen Cromer, Hunt, is that the Helen Hunt one? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, she 
she took over for Cromer because Cromer, um, who was a, a major director, directed the show, was also the stage manager. I saw him. He's he's awesome. Um, for those of you who want a, more, want a more modern reference, he won the Tony for directing a brilliant show called The Band's Visit, a musical out here. He's 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 an outstanding director. You probably are rather familiar with him having lived in and worked in Chicago. He's he comes from Chicago. Um, and also I, I think it would be, I do want to mention one more time um, that I, I would recommend to anybody to see this show on Amazon prime OT where this school in South central LA puts on this production because they personalized it just as what as much I mean, they had slides going on. And these are like 10th, 11th graders who are doing this three and a half hour play. Yeah. Was, I mean, and, and they really made it their town. It was, it's, I was crying at the end, just crying. I mean, I couldn't, I'm from California, Southern California, I'm familiar with that culture. So, um, but anyways, sorry. I'm sorry I sidebarred about that. Oh, I know what else I wanted to tell you. Um, uh, yes. You say you're going out, you're going to do stuff outside. Um, I wanted to let you know that the very first production that I read about actually going up was in London. And it was about six or seven months ago. And they, at Regent's Park Theater, which is in a park, it's outside, it's outside outdoors. They did a production of Jesus Christ Super, Superstar, who was one of the first COVID friendly productions. Nice. Yeah. And, and if you read about that, they talk about how the rehearsals were done with plexiglass in between the director. Oh, I have read about that. Right. Yes. Thank you. The plexi class was helpful because in October is when we did, we performed Macbeth at the Botanical Gardens and we rehearsed in September at a park outside. We didn't have plexiglass. Um, and we're not as, uh, San Antonio is not quite on the radar at like London or New York. So we're excited that we were able and did do something, but it certainly isn't out there in the water as much, the knowledge that we did. But I remember going, Oh man, plexiglass. Like, I am so glad someone has the ability to add in safety and go through that in that way. Like, we were making sure we were always socially distanced and masked and other things and started rehearsal with Shakespeare. You can do here's a soliloquy. Okay. Here's a two person scene way apart. Um, so finding ways to do that. But I do remember just being excited and daunted hearing about that production with the plexiglass because money comes into play because part of it too is how do you do that and safety first safety is the top priority for our company and not only patrons and staff which are important my um it's so funny how many people will be like oh but the cast can still kiss right and i'm like no no i <laughs> no. like and we did um and the timing worked out really well we have an amazing they're amazing woman and man playing Lady Macbeth and Macbeth. And we were casting right at the time that COVID was starting. At, and we cast them because they're brilliant. They're married. Uh -huh. So they were the only two people who could touch during the play. Um, and so that worked uh, well for that play. So we didn't lose that aspect of things. But um, yeah, there's. Uh, it, it's just been a little daunting to hear about all the people who are working on making it happen. And I was like, oh, plexiglass. I can't afford plexiglass. We are a very small nonprofit theater. Right. So we have to do it within these means. Um, and it has to be safe. And if we can't, then we'll just keep working on the lines. It's a classic play until it can come up and we can do it. I mean, so I had actors who have been just 
who are marvelous and marvelously willing to sign on. And I, and I had said, you can back out at any time. Like we're going to start on zoom. If at any time it doesn't feel safe, you come to me, we talk, we cancel it all. We keep it on zoom, whatever it is. Um, but if you, all of us actors want to be working much less working on Shakespeare. So I'm like, if anything else, it's just rehearsal. It's just a way to keep our instrument warm. Right. Um, so it was, it was a nice way to gather and work, even though a couple months was on Zoom. And then when we finally got outdoors, it was amazing to go, the actors go, oh my God, I don't have to act from my shoulders up. I get to yeah. really act, much less really Shakespearean act, which is a full contact sport as yeah. far as your body. Like you don't get to, they didn't get to contact other people. But um, yeah, it's a lot of balls spinning to try to keep people safe. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Well, I feel like you spin a lot of plates anyways but I bet you have a really, yes. really great, wonderful, creative, supportive, administrative team um, that works with you. So why don't you tell me about that? Sure. Um, we have, so we are a, a small nonprofit professional theater. Our core staff is two full-time people, myself as AD and ED and an operations manager and two part-time folks, which is development administrative is one and then education PR is the other. In addition to that, in a normal season, we have about 80 um, artists that work with us. We pay everyone who works with us. So it's a stipend. Um, But so we have 80, usually annually, 80 to 90 contract artists working with us in a year period. Um, And then we'll have about 70 volunteers who do things like ushering and coming in and doing stuff. Um, With the 80 artists who contract with us, depending on the show and things, we have a pretty core design team um, that uh, we get to work with. We try not to burn anyone out, but we have, and we have two or three people who do sets. Um, We always try to open continue opening our bench and getting more people on. Um, But it's been great because when you talk about having an amazing team surrounding and helping with all these plates, the folks who I've had the honor to work with on our production team the last six, seven years, how long I'm trying to do numbers here, six years, we've grown in such trust with each other. Um, and people can say, uh, okay, I can't do that show, but let me do this one. They really were the core of being able to communicate with positive intent with each other, to over-communicate, to be able to make things happen, to make sure we were all safe, that the show was safe. Um, that we were willing to cancel at any point in time and to help keep all those plates. Every, uh, ever, so many people have my back, the company's back, the artist's back. Um, so really grateful for our group of um, core resident designers and artists in addition to all of our contract artists. Wow, that's a, that's a really big pool for your theater that you can pull from. And um, I think that, I think that the, reason why you have such a big pool is because you do say you do give people options and here's an opportunity here. And, and um, so not one person is just constantly building set after set after set and, uh, or doing, you know, uh, ticket sales after ticket sales. I mean, it's, it's, it's really nice. And it sounds like it involves a, a good deal of the community as well. It, it does. When I was, um, a young professional actress. I lived in Minneapolis 
and St. Paul. Um, and I remember so clearly, um, I was formed so much by spending time at the Guthrie and watching shows and watching the way that city works and, and really that the Guthrie was a regional theater in the sense that I came to know and love, that it was a cornerstone of the community to have conversation. It was about the dialogue of what at this time does this city, what do we need to be talking about? And how do we tell a most excellent story so our city can figure out how big they want to be individually and collectively or how small? Like, who are they in the world? Are they Antigone? Are they Creon? Are we Miss Bennett, uh, Miss Mary Bennett? What what are those things? And, and so coming into my role at Classic, I really wanted to make sure it was a conversation with the community um, and that people felt welcome to walk in and it was a safe space as an actor to ask a question um, or to and to offer a thought and a patron to say, huh, wait, really? Hold on. Oh my God, I never thought about it that way or that it is a, it's a family dinner. Um, and sometimes, yes, people throw things at each other at family dinners, um, especially in Texas, but uh but we, but it has been important to me because story, we all do story. We sit at a bar, we sit at the Coke shop, we sit at the malt shop in our town and talk to someone. And that's what we remember about life. That's the important stuff. Um, and theaters, that on steroids, I think at its best, where we get to be a bigger community of artists and a bigger community there's room for everybody at the table the table has to shift like you have you know it's easier when we're doing five big shows and three small shows and um and even with Antigone everybody on the design team and the actors two have worked in a show here together two have worked in another show it's I really love cross-pollinating people and what their um what their art form is because some people do sets and costumes and some and we all tend to want to run ourselves crazy. I have found in theater, you're always scared of not having the next job. So you never want to say no. And you always want to go at it full force. And um, the more life continues to tell me and COVID has told us all, you're not in control. And it is good to have breath and recognize the small things. So again, all the, our town all day long, we are doing the show. Um, <laughs> that, that it has helped to really try to let for me, pe- pe- people, again, are the top priority. That's why safety is the priority at the moment, is to keep the people safe. How do we as artists continue to flourish and not burn out? When you do have one person doing sets all the time, of course you're going to burn out your head. Um, and and I'm grateful for the people with me, around me, collaborating. Um, and if Hunter gets to join us as AD, he's one of, one of my favorite collaborators who make sure that um, the plates stay in the air, that I don't have to, and nor, I, I don't want to, nor do I think I do it all by myself. There's a lot of plates, but it's exciting to have people go, oh, I got that one. Okay, I've got that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really have your, have each other's back. Um, so yeah, it's a great pool to choose from. Right. I feel really blessed. And we're always open to, I've moved enough too to go, when you're the new kid on the block, it's hard. Um, no matter what you bring to the table, we are collaborative artists as theater folks. So you move to a new town and it's like, I I can't just, where do you, where do you start? You know, where do you find an agent? Where do you find your first audition? Where do you, and in different towns work differently. And um, so it has been important and it's exciting. We have one actor who grew up here, went away for schooling, lives in New York, 
came back home for COVID and is with us. So it's the first time he's with us at our theater, but he is a community and he's a community member. Um, and so always opening the door to make sure we're bringing in new with folks who are, um, who have been with us over the years too. I love the idea of representation that, um, that you bring to the theater. I really do of uh, bringing in and, 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 and making sure anybody who wants to be included, it feels like can be included in some way. Um, I, I think that's amazing. Now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you kind of a sidebar question for you yes. specifically. What is, okay. what has, what has been your favorite role to act? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, uh, can I give you two? Um, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give Is you it two. a tie? Um, uh, well, cause they're really different. Okay. Um, and it's so funny. So, um, well, so yes, I'll tell you my two and then you can tell me, uh, if you actually think I'm really leaning towards one, but, um, to 19, May of 2019, I um, played the role of Regina in Little Foxes. Great and part. a great part, an amazing director, design team, group of actors, one of which I had worked with in high school years ago, like we knew each other um, from opposite high schools. So we, we had known each other more than actually worked together and had always wanted to work together. Um, so it's just surrounded by brilliant artist on this play and I am a sister with uh, I'm the oldest Regina's the youngest but I was the oldest with three brothers it was it was a show that really resonated for me in a lot of ways um, and my my daddy came from Alabama um, so uh, I really uh, it was very exciting and felt so visceral and um, so I, I love that part I loved that group of people um, I think the other one, which has been what has been my favorite up to that, uh, and, and that had been a decade or more ago, was Catherine in Proof. Um, so that was just something I was always excited to get to do. And when I had the opportunity, just felt like it lived in my bones. Like it was just such a, uh, a, a it was a joyous group of um, actors. It was in Chicago. And it was really, it was just, it was a really satisfying, exciting, kind of where you're in your zone kind of thing. Um, I mean, I like smart, edgy, funny, irreverent women. So uh, Catherine was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's a tie only because they're, <laughs> they're, well, they have their similarities. I mean, it's two different kind of styles of theater and, and, um, um, but, but very, very strong roles. So I'm going to give it 50-50. Well, thank you. Because I think for me, it really, there's such different roles and at different points in my life too. Uh -huh. So they just represent different eras or time frames. or, I mean, yeah, Regina, my, my children, still one of them helped me run lines. It's a great theater person, got paid to help me run lines. Um, and now to this day, if I do anything Southern, um, my daughter, Olivia is like, mom, mom, stop it. Stop it, <laughs> do not. She did not realize where Regina and the family were headed. She didn't understand people were going to be mean to each other because um, we went act by act by act over several weeks. And then she was like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, baby, they're not necessarily what you would consider nice people. It's mm -hmm. an important story, but greed is bad. Um, that's, but 
woman having her voice important because I'm also like, I can tell you why (laughs) Regina, I spent my life playing gender adventures here in Texas growing up as a young woman um, with all boys. So, so yes, they're, they're just different roles. I think we just tipped into 60% little foxes, 40% (laughs) root. But I'm sure that'll change, or that could change based upon conversation after conversation. Um, I remember reading reading the play in school and really, really loving it. I thought, oh, this is just so, it's just so crisp and and well-written. And then I saw the production here. (gasps) With with Cynthia Nixon and Laura Linney. Oh, wow. I'm jealous. Well, they did. They flipped it. Uh, yes. All the time. And I saw, um, I believe it was, who was playing, who was playing the, the more dominant role? I forget, Regina. Who played Regina. Regina most of the time? I think Laura Linney. She was the title build one. Um, and like up for the Tony, she was up for it for Regina and Cynthia was for the birdie. I and won. Yeah. And she won for it. Okay. I saw the flip of that and I thought it was great. I thought it was wonderful. Um, just, just, it's, those are just great parts that totally sink your teeth into big time. Truly. And those two women, it's funny because the woman, Christy, who played Birdie, we, we went to opposite high schools and shared drama buses in high school here. Um, she played Birdie. So it was the first time her and I got to work and it was so funny because we both were like Cynthia and Laura. And it was like, the director was like, no, it's been done. And we're like, thank God, because at this point in my life with ADing and EDing and having teenagers. Like I just like I can't do it. Like those women are amazing, and I love them. But I, one role's plenty. Regina yeah. will be plenty. I was just in awe that that they could switch and do that. So both Christy and I were like, "Love you." And if you want to do the switching, let me know because I can't say I don't know that I have bandwidth at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're just gonna honor that they did it so well um, and love them for it. So I'm <laughs> in awe yeah. of them. Yeah, that's a uh, it was a, it was a really nice production too. It's um, that's a that show is a really good opportunity for production value. And if you've never seen the play or you're not familiar with it, and you want to see kind of cheat a little bit, then just see the movie with Betty Davis, and you'll at least get a, a feel of the script and the dialogue and the cadence and stuff. It's 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 a piece I think every theater person really should be familiar with. Am I? I a beautiful dress. I did. They handmade me uh, a dress for the opening. And it was like those moments where you're like, okay, all right. I never need to wear anything else. This is the most gorgeous thing with leather right. beads and um, those moments. Cause I do ugly, tired pajamas like I did with Catherine just as well, but it is a beautiful, it, it's um, does have beautiful set design. And I have not seen the movie. I don't watch the movie if I'm doing the show usually. Um, until later, and I still haven't watched Betty Davis, but um, but she's a rock star, so uh, it does yeah. give people a way to access the story because I think it's very, again, strong, complicated women, which I'm a big fan, and a woman writer. I'm. It is important for me for women's voices to be heard, um, all voices, marginalized voices. I just coming out of a gender place, female voices have always been high on my list. Okay, let's make sure the ladies get heard. Oh, indeed. Um, I agree. I totally agree. And and while we're talking specifically about you, I want to ask, um, you've already mentioned what the first day was like of the actual shutdown where you were, sounds like you were acting uh, as a producer and mm-hmm. you had to go in and, and 
tell everybody that it wasn't happening. Um, did you have a private moment where you just kind of said, you're alone, just going, oh my God, what's going on here? Did, did it affect you in that way? Um, I, I, I really want to know how people felt when they had to take something that they loved so much away and then take it away from other people. And from people that you love. And um, one, even now, I, I meant to say this earlier, like I want to vomit just even hearing you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, so for me, the visceral reaction is tend to be like, I push back. I want to like stick my head between my knees. Um, I am, uh, I know I've chatted about my sweet, lovely husband, um, Bart, a couple times. He was a professional stage manager um, in his first career. And, and so I feel really grateful that I'm watching the news. He's watching the news. He runs um, a nonprofit as well now. And so we're both having this back and forth in conversation and, and he knows all the pieces of my job and what's going on. So, uh, so as we're talking through it, so I wasn't alone when literally we both turned to each other and I'm like, I've got to right now be done with done. And he was like, yes, yes. I'm like, okay. All right. So it was that like, Oh shit moment. And for me, yes, I tend to go with, instead of crying, I'm a want to vomit kind of, I just feel it all in my stomach, a clench. And then mm-hmm. I get out of my sheet of paper to outline. I was a very good student. So I'm like, okay, what are the core things I want this cast to know? Like, what does it mean today? What does it mean for this week? How will I update communications with them? Um, and that I'm always available for conversations and questions and they can throw tomatoes at me, whatever it is. Like, you know, I wanted to kind of outline the basic points so I wouldn't talk beyond what was necessary when it's hard enough to say, you need to stop. And this is why, because we care about you and we don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to ask you to be flexible and it's okay to be sad. Um, I have my list somewhere. I've kept, I have a, um, a folder that says how to survive. Um, and it's my how to survive 2020, 2021 sheet where I have all my notes that I've put or typed down for different meetings or conversations. There's, we have a video online that I did a couple months later to all of our patrons saying, this is where we're at. This is why we can't do certain things. This is what we're trying to do. Call me if you need me. Um, so it was, it was very hard. The, the director of that show it is again one of the nicest, talented, um, easygoingest human beings. Uh, and, and so I had been back and forth with him all day texting and saying, okay, Mark, it, it, like I'm letting you know I may be interrupting rehearsal and I'm going to keep you in the loop. It may change, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, hey, I'm coming into rehearsal. Tell me when you, like, I need you to break. And he's like, okay. Um, so it, it really was, I, I at least had someone with me, which helps me be able to, to know the next steps, even if they're breaking my heart. If I had been all on my own, um, I think that would have been even harder because you, it, it's, it's such a back and forth whiplashy place this whole year. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I do it? Do I not do it? And getting it out with someone you trust to sounding board and then getting it written on a sheet of paper um, were helpful ways for me to go in. And, and the cast was really, surprised, supportive, um, and uh, I think in shock. Like, there was also enough shock of, like, well, one, we have to do it, so here. I'm good at going, all right, this is what we have to do. I'm clear now. Like, this, here are all the numbers. I've done science. I'm listening. We're going to shut. 
and then watching the whole world shut down afterwards and go, oh, that was right. That was kind of the two or three weeks of shock before then you also start going, oh, okay, this is not just an interruption. Like, so you better get over the shock and figure out how do you start pivoting? Um, so, th- so that's what it was like. I'm grateful to, and, and the director too is like completely, yes, yeah, that, thank you. And, and would have been willing to go either way of what I did. But when I did say, I, I've got to shut you down. I know we've just done our whole tech day. All the costumes are done. You were about to do a run going into tech week. And he was like, nope, you have our best interests at heart and you always have. So whatever you say goes. Um, so. Wow. Um, <clears throat> sound like you're kind of like me a little bit in that um, I'm one of those people who, who takes in the trauma and then just turns on my, what to do, you know, the lists start coming out and all of that. And then uh, um, how do I act and who do I call? What's, uh, what is the action plan? And then when there is a handle on it, that's when I break down. That's when I break down. Yes. And I'm like, why am I, everything is fine. Why am I, why am I upset about this? It's all good. And it's just, it's a delayed reaction. I think it's it, survival. It, well, it is. It's that like moving motion makes me, and I feel like that's what this last week has been with Snowvid as well in Texas for all of us. Cause again, my husband and I are doing, trying to do all of this. Like, can I tell the cast we can't have a read through because I have no technology and they have no technology and what's he doing and blah, blah, blah. And you get through it and finally get power back on. And then you're like, okay, I like, I, I'm a wet rag. What am I? You, you just want to cry. You want to sleep. You want to. Um, so I think we are very similar because that resonates for me. And again, with uh, dear, sweet, our town. Like, so I was every month I'm writing them every two weeks. And then it became every month. Like, here's the update. Here's the plan. Here's the hoped for. Here's the bigger things I'm looking at scientifically. I have one of the doctors at the city who advises the city is a friend and colleague as well. And he's on speed dial. He's like, I'll talk to anyone in the cast. I'll talk to any patrons like through what's the most up-to-date research, which has really helped me because again, and, and he's a patron and came and saw Macbeth and he's like, absolutely the way you did it mitigated the risks and we as a community needed it. And, um, but it's hard. It's been really hard to keep, having to to do that no yes no yes um uh and it does wear on you but but i'm able to get through yes i'm very much the the survivor of oh i'll get it done oh dare me and then afterwards it's in the corner when you're like look at all my gray hair and i'm crying and you know your children are like mom are you okay um they they kept moving the line like every other day it's, it's here and then they move it back a little bit and every six hours was our phrase. I'm like, you may get an email every six hours right? because. <laughs> Who knows? Yes, it is all, it is an ever moving thing. Yeah. Um, I, I really like to ask that question because um, as a writer, uh, when, when you're writing scripts, there is very little, there's very little writing on assignment. Um, you know, you when I'm writing a script, I'm usually, it's just in my head at the time and I'm in, in my bed in pajamas writing it. So my, my world that way didn't change very much. Sure. Um, the only time I'm ever, ever have commitments is if I'm in rehearsal and I'm in there to, you know, sit there for like nine hours and change one line. But still, um, I, I, I didn't, I want to, I want to grasp that somehow. And so that's why 
I, I appreciate you being real with me. And I appreciate you, you telling me honestly what, what that felt like, because I think that is so important in, in the connection I'm making with this series. Um, you'd be surprised at how many similarities and the things that you've talked about that have been mm. other people's reactions. And, you know, as, as far as like Tel Aviv and Ireland, I mean, it's, wow. I, I thank you for that. And I, I appreciate that. Um, how has the San Antonio theater community cope with the pandemic overall? I would assume that there are other theaters in San Antonio. There are. There absolutely are. And I'm sure you have peers that are located within them. How are they handling things? I do. You know, I I thought that was a a great question. You were kind enough to um, share it ahead of time because it gave me time to really think. They just did an article in our um, newspaper here about several uh, of us arts organizations so in, in addition to theater, but I can keep it with theater, certainly. Um, so one, I'm amazed that we're still going and moving forward. So uh, really people have, I think the biggest interesting thing as I thought about it is everyone is finding their own way through it and a different, like at the beginning, I, I we would have several of us in town who are artistic directors would have, we're already having weekly meetings before COVID, just to say, how are things? You run the children's theater in town. You know, just what's going on in the world? What are things we should know? Can I ask this person to come work in this show? That kind of thing. Um, and, and and to build collegiality and communication. So it was great when this came up. One of the first things I did was call that core of people and said, I'm going to shut us down. Like, where's everybody? And so there was a chunk of time, too, whereas people were like, well, I'm going to try this, and I'm going to try this. And I'm like, okay, this is the article I just got that says singing and we don't sing usually, but you can't do that. Um, And I know you do musicals, so I'm sending it on and I'm so sorry. Um, And so this interesting, like there's this very interesting rush of people going, I mean, I think there's always this panic mode of how do you, how do you pay for it? For me, how do you pay for your staff? We are committed to paying our staff. I want money in artists' hands how do we do that when we can't sell tickets? And all of the directors, uh, artistic directors, executive directors were feeling this. And some people, so people, it took time to get over the shock of then like, what do we do best as an organization and how can we move forward? And it doesn't have to look the same. So it's been exciting to watch what different people do. And, And for me, I got the most, I got to a place of peace and better forward momentum last May when I did a big thinking through and talking my board through, talking the board through, um, really where I was thinking when I sat down on paper again and said, here are our values. Here's what I know scientifically. Here's what I think is going to happen. So here's what I suggest we do to keep moving forward, creating excellent theater that's relevant, diverse, entertaining, and transformative. We believe in live theater. There's other great stuff out there, but we aren't, filmmakers we are and story's going to be here um so i'm going to suggest that we keep working on a three show full season and it may all be in rep in may outdoors like so we're going to have these three shows ready to go like the plan was Macbeth, antigone our town and if they all have to go in may they're all going in may um <laughs> we're going to spread them out and hopefully um we will do april antigone may um but but it's been exciting and i'm so grateful because i know how nerve-wracking it's been 
for all of the different people running organizations and having the different times and, and when PPPs come in and when some community foundations have stepped in for different, there's a great theater that does a lot of musicals and works with children in town, community theater. Um, that's a really important piece of our community and community communities need small professional community, all of these different ways to connect. And, and they got a, a really lovely grant that will help them continue to be able to offer things for young people that they work with a lot. And um, yeah, so I feel like the city is acknowledging um, and working to figure out too how, um, how to help support the arts because it is important to have us. And, and that's been a, I feel like a super growing edge for San Antonio. It's very different than when I grew up because I knew I had to leave if I wanted to work professionally in my career. And to be able to come back knowing that there had been a small professional theater started and some other good stuff going on. Um, and, and the city really has been working more and more on arts and culture and naming, naming that, um, and that it doesn't just have to be a hobby, can be. Um, but so there are other theaters and they are, um, they're still going forward, which is exciting. Uh, and differently, we're the only ones who've done full scale production outdoors. Some are doing more virtually online, some are doing one night socially distance in the theater, a large theater at 25% capacity, and then an online time, uh, an online presentation. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I think a lot of people are, are have gotten really, really creative, and um, <clears throat> they've done things that, uh, uh, there's been a lot of virtual interactive theater, which is great. Um, some with, that's newly created, uh, some that they've created for, that have been COVID born, if you will. Yes. Um, I interviewed a couple who are uh, assistant director. One of them was the assistant director of a doll's house too. When it started off in Costa Mesa at, at um, uh, South coast, South coast repertory. Theater. Yes. 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 It's a husband and wife team. And they, they did, they brought in a bunch of um, uh, writers and uh, theater people to do uh, they're doing like a story to the mail that, people can participate in that, that they can grow and develop. I mean, it's, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so impressed that you did that. But um, it's, it's, there's been all different kinds of things. And what it tells me is that theater isn't going anywhere it, at all. And it, it is, we're, we're not going to stop. We're going to figure out a way to do it. Uh, we're going to twist and bend ourselves if we have to. And people are just going to have to, accept that because we're not going anywhere. And especially now that we have the vaccine, we'll be back. We'll be back and you'll be back doing our town. And, and if, if, if we're good and I can travel, yes. I would love to come back and see it. Oh, that would be so and, dreamy. I would love for you. Um, to, I mean, I, for so many reasons, I'd love, that would be thrilling. Um, and yes, I so agree. And again, one of those things that really helped me in my, once I started going, oh, think 18 months, two years, bigger picture, is that Oedipus, the Greek play where they talk about the plague was based on the plague in Athens. They had a plague. Shakespeare had to take a plague break. I think it was the Black Plague. I start shoving so much history in my brain that sometimes I'm going to uh, smooth over certain names. Um, but really being able to say, the and Shakespeare wrote about plagues in his plays. Like I've studied Shakespeare for decades, and I'm like, oh, even more so an understanding of where that is embedded in his work and mm -hmm. stuff. So, like, yeah, we're coming back. 
like don't know how, don't know when, going to keep trying every step of the way. Um, but, and with the vaccine now, I'm like storytelling's not going on anywhere and being live. I mean, one of the biggest things for the actors that was a fun and complicated realization for them was so many of us as actors um, and the actors in Macbeth were touchy, they're touchy feely actors. Like they just innately go and they, they wouldn't have even been able to name that for themselves. So they were like, why do I not know what I'm doing? Why can't I, like, I don't feel like I'm doing my best work and then started going, oh shit, because I'm six feet away from everybody mm-hmm. and I can only see your eyeballs. And, uh, and that like one touch as a director, I'm a touchy feely director too. I can hear someone going, call human resources, uh-huh. um, appropriately touchy feely. Um, but but one just touching of an elbow and saying good job speaks volumes so much versus now we're on Zoom and I'm saying good work, you know, a little thumbs up here. Um, so seeing a show in person, being with an actor in person and, and what we've all been willing to do to be adaptable, stay creative uh, has been um, exciting and nothing we would ever look for. But yeah, we're not going anywhere. I, I don't think theater's going away. Outstanding. Plus, I need to come out and talk to Hunter. Right. I am. I'm telling you, you, you <laughs> will love Hunter. Um, and I'm sorry he didn't. I know it is time for us to go. And he uh, I gave him That's a little cool. thumbs up, but uh, apparently maybe it was longer for him to get out of the actual finishing up the commercial. That's so quite I'm sorry all right. he missed uh, that you missed meeting him, but I would love for you to come meet Hunter because he really is the gem. Um, uh, we can maybe do a post-COVID show to see how things turn out and if they're different or the same or something of that, of the like. I mean, I have a little place in my heart for Texas since I lived there for a year at 14 years old in Euless, Texas, high Euless, Texas. And that's where a teacher out there, I forgot her name, but she was one of the first people to say, you know what, there's something about drama that I see in Mm. you and put me in a class. And um, so so, uh, I like going to Texas. I think it's fun. I've been there a few times since, and I'd love to come out and um, visit, see a show and maybe interview you again with Hunter this time. I I would love it. Hunter too is the assistant director on Anna and the Tropics. Ah. Um, And uh, it was Arthur in Miss Bennett with me. Like, so he can really talk. Like we were just saying, March 1st was the date that we were all happy at a party at closing a show last year and now we're at this completely different place um so we can talk the gamut too of on stage off stage um so that Perfect. would be wonderful um and those those teachers who know you when you're 14 I, I have to say this now that so my husband in little foxes the man who played horace was my high school drama teacher oh, wow. who was really instrumental in my life john wolf uh, john o'neill um so Okay, of course, Hunter's now texting something, but um, we'll go. Um, yes, but so again, people who know you when you're 14 and can name something for you, they, those can be special people. So it would be great to have you in Texas here where people started naming some things for you too. It's a date. Um, okay, well, we, we do need to go, but before we yes. do, can you please give our audience your social media information so they can keep up with you and your company? I would love to. Um, you can find out all things the Classic Theater of San Antonio at our website, www.classictheater.org. 
And just to make sure you know, theater is spelled with an R-E at the end. And you can find out anything about us there, including contact phone numbers, if you want to call. Very, very cool. Um, I have had a marvelous time talking with you. I really have. Um, you're so passionate and um, and knowledgeable, and you brought such humanity to this topic and made Thank yourself you. vulnerable. And I think that that's really cool. I think that's what's going to connect with other people. And um, I, I love what you're doing for theater, for San Antonio, and you've been an amazing guest. And I just wish you, like, all the broken legs in San Antonio, you know, as you navigate your way through this and towards a better future for theater. You're, you're amazing. Thank you, Sean, so much. It feels so nice to talk about things and not feel so alone. Right, um, indeed. Truly, to, to be able to share with you has been a joyful adventure. So um, to be continued. The pleasure is all mine, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, Kelly? All right, Sean, thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, the 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, a big thanks to Kelly Hilliard Rausch of the Classic Theater of San Antonio. She was awesome. You can find more episodes of your program as your ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with a place on their incredible theater podcast platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where theater stories of all kinds can be easily found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them on my landing page at bpn.fm slash ypiyt, bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Your program is your ticket is also on Facebook at facebook.com, your program is your ticket. I'm on Twitter at at program ticket, on Instagram at your program is your ticket. I'm also on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Pocket Cast, Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and the UK-based theater platform Thespi. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings and reviews. So the more that you can do, the better it makes my profile. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer as we transition through and out of this pandemic. Watch their content, give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate. Donate, donate, donate. It's the fastest way you can help them. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember, theater is for everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.